Our purpose often, always, 110,000% always lands. And like, what brings you joy? And it doesn't have to be the rocking of the world. Like, you don't have to be the ones that stand on stages of 10,000 people, but you might want to, and that's okay too. But it's every, what Spirit keeps saying to me is that every one individual that I touch, touches one individual that touches one individual. And so if my desire is to touch thousands and tens and tens of thousands of people, I know that I do that with one breath, one word, one expression, one person at a time, right? Because the ripple of that. So our purpose is to be light. Our purpose is to be in joy. Our purpose is to be in pleasure. And our purpose is to expand that in all the ways that we can. And as long as we're doing that, we're really living our purpose. So how you choose to express that in service is of your creation. And that's where the empowerment comes. Like you choose, but please choose. And we can't choose if our head's in a bottle of something or, you know, locked in like all these outward distractions, including social media and television. And, you know, there's so much that's designed to keep us out of that presence and therefore keeps us out of our truest light, therefore keeps us out of our innate purpose. So we get to rise in the remembrance of that. Welcome to today's episode of Unleash Thyself. I am your host, Konstantin Moron, and today's guest is Lisa McCardle. Creator of Inner Wisdom Awakening, Lisa is an award-winning speaker, transformational life coach, soul alchemist, and a spirit channel. For more than 25 years, Lisa has guided high-powered executives, celebrities, and everyday people through the process of clearing for expansion, finding purpose, and reclaiming true personal power. She is passionate about supporting souls to plug back into the source of which they were created to awaken their fullest potential and watch the magic of their extraordinary lives unfold. Get ready to be immersed in conversation filled with inspiring and empowering stories, tools, and practices. So, prepare yourself for an unforgettable conversation that's sure to leave a lasting impression. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself, the podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your full potential. I am thrilled to welcome Lisa McCardle to the show. Lisa, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your Unleash moment, the moment you knew you were on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Lisa, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my great honor to be here. And I've been really excited about this interview. I love the theme of your podcast. And I know that every human being on the planet has that one, if not multiple moments that really anchor in the truth of their purpose. And and really, I focus a lot on the pivots because there's so much happening in consciousness and in our planet right now that's like this mass pivot, isn't it? Like people think they're moving in one direction and then all of a sudden it's, you know, the pivot occurs. And I know that my life has taken those journeys and I know I'm not alone in it. So it's always a pleasure to speak to it. When I look at like the moment when I knew or the moment that that shifted, I've had probably four significant spiritual awakenings is what I would call it. I've also been very blessed that I kind of came into this life 
as a sighted one. I can't say it was super comfortable in the beginning because I was a three-year-old who was woken up in the middle of the night by ghosts and things like that in a very old farmhouse and I didn't understand it. And this is actually in my in my book that's coming out. So I was very confused and very connected to the other worlds from the time I came in, but I, I shut it all down. I put it all away as I know a lot of young people do because it wasn't encouraged in my household. It wasn't celebrated. In fact, it was considered something that was not okay due to the religious upbringing that I had. So I put it, I put it away. And so I'd say one of the biggest like turning points, if you will, of coming into my purpose and my path was, was when I was 26 years old and I had just graduated from massage school and I had moved to Big Sur, California and I was living my dream. And I became a massage therapist at a very high-end resort that sits right on the water. And it was just this very magical experience. And one day I'm in there just doing my thing and I'm doing massage and I put my hands on the gentleman in front of me on the table. And it was in tandem. Another gentleman was working on his partner, his the, the woman that was there with him. And I'm just doing my business. I'm doing massage. I'm doing what I'm trained to do. And all of a sudden I start flashing and seeing all of these, like watching a reel of a movie is the only way I can describe it. And I start seeing flash by flash of this man being very dominant over women, like with kind of sexual power in some ways. It was okay. like very much in the workplace. Like I it was like watching clips of a movie and I was completely freaked out, obviously, as anyone would be. And I kept taking my hands off and then it I'd clear it would clear and then I'd go back and there'd be another scene and another scene. It was like far before the Me Too movement, but it was definitely Me Too action in a corporate workplace that I was witnessing. And so it was one of those big pivots where I understood that I had a gift of sight that I had like clairvoyance and all this. I just kept being transported into this man's life. And <clears throat> I somehow made it through the experience. I got out of that room when it was all done. And I just remember breaking down into tears because I was scared. I was confused. And there was a part of me that knew that it was really significant and I'd say that was one of the one of the bigger pivots of me moving into my work that then, you know, has been 27 years of experience of being a healer, of being a sighted one, of hearing, knowing, seeing, empathically delivering back to to people. It's become my work. And I think it's important to know that sometimes these life pivots aren't <laughs> It's not all like lollipops and roses. It can be scary. It can be intimidating. It can be, you know, and that's just, that's just one. So that put me on a, on a trajectory of being a healer for, for the rest, the second half of my life to this point. Yeah, sounds like a very transformative experience to, to witness that. So let me ask you this. Was it the first time at the age of 26 that you experienced something like that? Like when it connected with someone on that level where you could see beyond this film, essentially, and see into their past or the future? Yeah, that's a really great question. I'd say it was the most profound and the most pivoting. A couple of years before, I had had an experience that was kind of a precursor, I would say. And it was, it was, an, I was probably 18. I mean, I was young, you know, and I was with, I was with these two women who didn't know each other. There was three of us. And 
we went out one night to go see a movie. I think it was like Dances with Wolves or something. Like I'm so dating myself right now, but it was one of those movies and it had this profound effect. And we went back to one of the young women's apartments. And I remember we were just sitting and talking. And through that sitting and talking, we went through some kind of a weird time loop is the only way I can describe it. I know it sounds crazy, but what felt like an hour was like eight, nine hours. And all of a sudden it was like three or four in the morning and, you know, we're stone cold sober, just talking and exploring. And I remember we all kind of, it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland moment. Like we all kind of just laid down where we were in this, in this living room and fell asleep. And as I was falling asleep, I was, I was like, I was being taken through these lifetimes. I was, I was seeing, it was like this journey and I had never experienced anything like that before that point I have since. But what really came through was a strong connection with with Gaia, with Earth. And it was less about like other people. It was more about my own spiritual journey or a soul summoning. Or again, I was completely freaked out because of these yeah, things. Of but the message that came, it was during the time of Desert Storm and there was a lot of war and a lot of, you know, bloodshed happening on the planet as, you know, there often is in this density that we're navigating. And the message that came was that I was to be one of the earth healers and that I was actually to sit with her and to, to help her to heal. And so the best way I can describe it is like, that was a calling to my 18, 19 year old self. And then when I was 26 and it, it was like these pieces of a puzzle that started coming back and to be honest, you know, another piece of the puzzle just came back two years ago in the, the fourth transmission of, of massive shift, massive shift of my life. So I speak to these things because I know that we all experience them in our own ways. We experience these pivotal points that might not be as, you know, otherworldly <laughs> as, as journeying through, but, but many people have these experiences. They call them through dreams. They call them through visions. And we're going through a massive pivot of awakening right now. So I don't think it's as unusual for people to have these like kind of supersonic experiences. I think part of what we get to do is to normalize them and to let people know, like, it's okay. <laughs> You're not losing your mind. Well, actually I, I do work with spirits and and guides and they, I'm like, am I losing my mind? And they're like, yes, you are. And please do. Like we all, we need everyone to kind of lose their proverbial mind right now because the essence of the soul communicates way differently than the essence of the mind. And the mind holds a lot of the programs of this kind of lower density, third dimensionality, if those words make sense to your viewers. We kind of need to lose our minds and have these really supersonic soul experiences because we are ultimately souls in human form. And this is where we bridge the gap of that. Yeah, that's so beautiful, Lisa. Lisa. Well, thank you for sharing that. So it sounds to me that you had your first experience around, well, when you were very young, they got shut off because of the conditioning you mentioned. Then at 18, you're kind of the universe wants to remind you, hey, this is your purpose. This is your path. I would imagine you didn't do much with it because you're still 18, you're discovering life. And at 26, it's almost like he came knocking and said, you know what, it's time. So let me give you some more. And I've, I've heard that story, I've seen it myself and others as well, where it's like, you can run away from your purpose or you can run away from whatever you're supposed to be doing. But at one point, it will come knocking really hard that you can't ignore it. And then, of course, some of us still decide to ignore it because the conditioning is very strong, right? Yes. Society imprinted on us a lot, so our families and whatnot, but it feels like 
for some people, you need to get that breaking point, or not breaking point, but that stop sign in the, in the middle of the road and then make a big decision. But for others, and I would imagine, I'm wondering how you feel about this, but in listening to, let's say, a conversation like you and I are having or reading your book or working with you, people don't need to wait until that breaking point or until the stop sign to start working on some of these things. Am I correct in assuming that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, whatever... The universe is so kind, right? It's going to give you all kinds of time and signs and synchronicities and opportunities to wake up, <laughs> to yeah. remember, really. I, I believe that so much of what we're going through as humans is a remembrance, not there's no information that exists outside of ourselves that we actually need. We just need to wake up to remember that we hold all of it within us. And so, yeah, please don't wait, but there's nowhere to hide. And especially now that we're in the acceleration, like it is go time for humanity. And if there's been an inkling or an, 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 an niggling of, of, of something that's called you, it is going to be relentless now. And if you're not listening and you're not taking the, the reins, and stepping up to what you know to be your purpose, to what your divine calling is, it's going to not just get loud, but it's going to knock you around a bit and reposition you. And so there's nowhere to hide. And no, you don't have to wait for the big kaboom to occur, but it'll occur if you're not taking action is the bottom line. Exactly. Speaking of finding one's purpose, I was someone that's always been asking the big question, like, what's my purpose in life? And to me, it never made sense that growing up, going to school, getting a nine-to-five job, having a family, and then dying was really the purpose that everyone on this planet had. So I was always asking the question, but I was never doing much about it until, of course, last year when I had my transformative journey and experience, and then a lot of things began revealing themselves. But when in, in what you've done in your life, when you say you have four different stages where you're transformed, and then you also help others on the, with the transformation, what would you say are some of the big aha moments around your purpose being revealed that you've seen either in your own person or others that you've helped? Well, I think what's interesting is that the big aha moments are actually a collection of many, many, many little <laughs> moments. Yes. Right? So we always wait for the big kaboom. But in truth, we are being summoned from the time we take breath on this planet to what it is that we are intended to do in purpose. And I don't believe that there's any one purpose for, for any human. I'm, I believe wholeheartedly in free will. I believe we choose it. And I do believe that our souls have certain agreements. And what what I love about that is it gives us some autonomy. Like we're going to end up, like I like to say to my clients, like all roads lead to heaven. You're going to end up where it is you are to be based on your soul's agreements. But the journey you take to get there is very much up to you. So so it doesn't have to be a big, huge kaboom all the time. And, and actually I encourage people to listen to the subtleties. Pillar one in my book that is all about awakening and transforming and ascension is, is presence. And so until we're present, and I'm talking like fiercely present, you know, when you're in the future, you're in anxiety. And when you're in the past, you're operating through depression. And presence is because 99.9% .9 of the time, if you're able to sit here in presence, everything's a-okay. Like it's okay. It's okay. And so we grow upon that okayness. And 
And with that, in that presence is where you can listen to the subtleties. And those subtleties often are those desires within you or those wishes to go explore, or you see somebody doing something and you're like, gosh, I want that. You know, like that desire of wanting something is usually because there's a resonance of it being alive within you. So if we are fearless and powerful, then we're willing to take those subtleties and formulate them into a path. My ask each day has been for many decades, how can I serve? And I've had breakdown moments in the shower because the shower seems to be where the magic happens <laughs> of like, you know, God, God is creator, universal intelligence, like use me, like, please use me for service because we're not here. We know there's a, there's an element of us who are even if it's a, a little bit awake in presence that knows we're here for something bigger than, than like you said, like no soul ever came down to the planet saying, I am going to work my fingers to the bone to survive and get these like little vacations here and there and be in debt and go into all this so that at some point, maybe I can enjoy life and then die. Like <laughs> none of that makes sense. And so we know that there's so much more and we know we're in this, this paradigm shift, these parameters of limitation and lack and scarcity that are not innate and natural to our operating system as, as light beings. So if we're going to be in presence and we're going to listen, the universe, our higher self, our greater knowing, our soul self, it's going to direct us. And our purpose often, always, 110,000% always lands. And like, what brings you joy? And it doesn't have to be the rocking of the world. Like you don't have to be the ones that stand on stages of 10,000 people, but you might want to, and that's okay too. But it's every, what spirit keeps saying to me is that every one individual that I touch, touches one individual that touches one individual. And so if my desire is to touch thousands and tens and tens of thousands of people, I know that I do that with one breath, one word, one expression, one person at a time right? Because the ripple of that. So our purpose is to be light. Our purpose is to be in joy. Our purpose is to be in pleasure. And our purpose is to expand that in all the ways that we can. And as long as we're doing that, we're really living our purpose. So how you choose to express that in service is of your creation. And that's where the empowerment comes. Like you choose, but please choose. And we can't choose if our head's in a bottle of something or, you know, locked in like all these outward distractions, including social media and television. And, you know, there's so much that's designed to keep us out of that presence and therefore keeps us out of our truest light, therefore keeps us out of our innate purpose. So we get to rise in the remembrance of that. Well, wow, Lisa, that's such a powerful message. And I agree with you hundred percent. And I can see how in my own life, right, up to this point, or least a year ago, how distractions have kept me away from living my purpose. And I like the way you expressed it and explained it, because really it's a variation or it's my interpretation of being in service, right, being in light, leading from the heart, and how do I choose to do that? And I really like the examples you gave. And I would imagine that for most of us, once we have the awareness, so that not as a bigger problem, it might be just a tiny one, the way the second things can be different, and I have a choice, then it's almost like you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You, have, you, you now can make progress. But people, 
may end up feeling like they're alone or there are no no others that they can turn to. And that's honestly what my feeling was. And I'm someone that does a lot of research every time I encounter an idea I like or something I want to do. And I felt the way for a long time until I stumbled upon some podcasts, some books, some YouTube videos, some some communities and realized the power that lies in exactly what you said, where you touch one person and now their life becomes better, lighter, full of love. And then imagine how many people they can touch. And even if they chose just one person, the ripple effect, the snowball effect is going to have immense repercussions that you and I won't even know about. Exactly. Isn't it beautiful? It's, it's it's beyond amazing, right? Yeah. And I think it's that that's why I go back with this podcast to my to an idea that no one is truly alone. We each have a difficult journey ahead of us, right? Because of society and life and what we've chosen in the past. We have our own paths and we can choose to do it alone. But personally I don't believe that we can do it alone and become the best version of ourselves. We need to lift each other up and then as a result, we'll leave, we we essentially get the best version of ourselves as well. Exactly, and I think it's also like your to your point. We're you know we're in this dimension shift. We're in an entire change of consciousness on the planet right now. And from you know the really baseline of what that means is dimensions are frequencies, and we've been living in a denser frequency for several thousand years, and the planet is actually moving into a higher vibration, higher frequency. This is measured by science. It's not just a woo-woo concept. Like we can, the the earth's electromagnetic frequency is is shifting and we're getting these blasts from the sun and you can, you know, research this in a tangible way from an energetic perspective, which is where my information comes that lone wolf, go it alone, work hard, suffer some more, struggle some more. That is all, part of the expression of that lower density. And so mm-hmm. if we're really moving into this awakening, it's about connection, right? And it's knowing that we're not separate from God. We're not separate from spirit. We're not separate from this earth. We have no separation from any living, breathing, or vibrating thing on this planet. And so we're definitely not going to rise up to the promised land by by staying in that density of separation, lack, longing, and doing it alone. We're tired. We've worked hard. You know, a lot of my work over this last two years, due to my fourth great awakening, which I'm happy to share, brought me into a lot of consciousness around the divine feminine and the divine masculine rising up as frequencies on this planet to help with the ascension. And a lot of the wounds of the masculine and the feminine are this like fighting through, doing it alone, you know, get out of my way. I'll step on you to rise up. Like that is this matrix collapsing of the old paradigm. We only are going to get there by, by allowing our hearts to expand out through our hands. And that means giving a hand up to everyone that's around us. We will get there by collaboration over competition. We will get there by seeing each other. We will get there by praising each other. We will get there by standing in the mirror, not only of ourselves, but of each other eye to eye. Like I see you, I honor you, I remember you, I celebrate you and let's go. It's the only way home. Like we can't, we're not going to, there's some, you know, saying like, you can't, you can't fix the problem or whatever with the same method that you created it, right? So we got to come together. And the good news of that is like the feminine gets to lean back a little bit, like 
we're tired. We're really tired. And I say this not to put as much about gender as to put more about these frequencies that both all humans hold within them, that the masculine and the feminine are operating systems, they're vibrations that live within each. And one is usually more dominant than the other, but they must exist within balance within and within this planet so that we can actually birth the earth up. So it's, yeah, it's been a wild journey to get there. And I want to say that the third pillar in my book is the deconstruction phase. And when that deconstruction phase comes in, it's no joke. And so we've been talking and we hear a lot on the planet right now about dark night of the soul. Planet's going through a dark night of the soul. I mean, it's it's collective. And and I hear you speaking about your spiritual awakening that happened a year ago. And so many people are like Mark having these absolute pivotal marked points of where they woke up or something significant summoned them or called them or created a pivot or repositioned them. The whole all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> like you, 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 it's just, it's part of the agreement. And part of that is moving through the shadows of old to heal deeply. And, and the planet is grieving and most humans on the planet are grieving. There's a, a big wonder about where, who am I? Where am I supposed to be? Look at how many people are moving homes and states and countries and, and then moving and going, oh, this isn't it. And mo- there's just this mass pivot and shift. And where am I to be? What does my work look like? What do my relationships look like? Look how many people are letting go of of long-term relationships, familial agreements, karma's completing. The karma from my perspective is a is a product of third dimensionality. It's a debted, you know, you'll expand it 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 pairs with we learn from contrast. You know, I, oh, I don't like that. I must like this. Well, that didn't feel good. That means I get to heal and then I'll be this. And it's all this. And we're moving into the and instead of the or. It's like I can be this and that and be sovereign and free. And so part of what's coming up, like we, we're, we're completing karma. Most of our family of origins are karma based. We choose the souls we come into based on who's going to give us the best chance to like clear it, learn, grow and expand. But what's left out of that equation is that we are these supersonic knowing all souls that don't have to play in this like limitation playground of suffering to grow. We just need to remember that we are the gods, gods and goddesses and creators of all things living in human form. So we can stop this, this, this suffering for growth. And so in that, as we're healing, we have to let go of a lot and and so there's a lot of grief on the planet and i was initiated i would say the biggest pivot that's happened in my adult life occurred in the last 2 years i know i'm not alone in that you know covid came in and there's bc and ac like before covid after covid you know and yeah, right and everything has changed and there's no going back i actually wrote an article about this in a magazine like there's just no going back like there is no going back to business as usual and wherever you're trying to go back it's just going to fall flat it's going to not feel good it's not going to work you just can't effort your way through this we have to lean in the feminine which is leaning back but through the course of COVID, I was I was writing my book and I got to that third pillar, which was deconstruction, and like the linchpin of my own life started pulling out. 
And it started with my, we were living in my dream home. I was in a 15 year relationship with my stepson and my partner. And I created this dream home. Like I dreamed that house into fruition. Like I love meditation. Like I mean, every box, it was, it was my dream. It was a beautiful, beautiful, magical space to live in, in California. And it was put on the market to sell in a very hot, you know, market COVID like made the, the area I was living in highly desirable for Bay area people to, to move out of. And so everything was jacking up and selling like hotcakes, like 24 hours things were selling. And so I attempted to buy the house. It wasn't working and it was, it was going. And through that, my son was also heading off to college and I was sitting there looking at my 15 year relationship knowing that it was also like coming into its completion. And one of the hardest decisions that we had ever made was just like a very love-filled relationship that simply wasn't growing. It was like the karma was complete. And we were we were doing great as, you know, functioning housemates, loving each other, but there wasn't it wasn't growing. It wasn't it wasn't expanding. And we sat in a lot of the like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. This is what I know. And I know a whole lot I don't know. And through that place coming to an agreement that it was time to to, to move separately. So the house sold, the relationship was deconstructing. I got rid of 85% of my human belongings. It was a 3,300 square foot house, like a lot of house. Deconstruct, deconstruct, deconstruct. My business, my online business was in deconstruction mode. I couldn't find a place to live. I ended up going off to Hawaii for a little bit. Spirit brought me back. Like I could only buy a plane ticket one day. And it was like a week early from from my two months of Maui. I thought I'd finish the book. I never wrote a I wrote one paragraph in seven weeks. I, I get back to California and 42 hours later I get the phone call that my consciously uncoupled partner was being rushed to the hospital and two hours later he was dead. And so I thought I had just like done the hardest thing I was ever going to do, which was like deconstruct this, this really beautiful life. And when death walked in, I mean, she, she just, she literally ripped me out of the bed in the middle of the night. And that's what she does. Like grief will come in and she doesn't, I say this in the book, like she doesn't care if you're ready. She's just like, here we go. And at 50, I was 52 years old. I'd never experienced death. And when she walked in, she was not taking me lightly. So in the midst of all that, I, I just, I went through my own death portal. I went through the dark night of the soul. I went through an initiation of grief that was more profound than anything I'd ever experienced. My communication with souls helped tremendously when he was on the other side. So I was able to communicate with him, which was beautiful. And, and through that, when I was in Hawaii, spirit told me, you will die a thousand deaths to be reborn a thousand and one times. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm a soul that I've been around a lot. I know I'm old soul thinking I'm an Aquarius during this Aquarian age. Like, yeah, I get it. Spirit was what, what spirit meant was I was going to die a thousand deaths in that year. And what's important about the thousand deaths that we die is the thousand and one. It's the rebirth. It's always the most important. So we're all doing it. This is not unique to me, although this story was extreme. 
and really stripped to the core. Actually, then a year later had me then move out of California and I live in Sedona and Spirit also was like, and now you have to leave your community of 27 years. And I was like, how much do you want me to leave behind? But every time I said yes, I also found pieces of myself that I don't believe I would have it was the journey that my soul chose to re- reclaim, to rename, reclaim, and remember parts of myself. And through that, it has been so profound because this last year, through many stories that I'll save you because we would need hours, I have been summoned back to great remembrance of like the priestess time, the times of old, the last golden age when, you know, Magdalene and Yeshua were walking together. And I I have memories of being there. And I've, I've had memories through my life of walking like as apostle. And I mean, I, you know, you kind of can't make this shit up. Like it's so profound and it's so bizarre. And if it wasn't coming, it wasn't happening to me. I'd be like, okay, that's some weird stuff going on, but it is happening and it is like profound and it is like being, I mean, called. And every time I'm called, I just step up and say yes. And this is actually the second book that I'm writing, which is about this journey. But it's bringing me into that the entirety of my life on this planet now makes sense. I realize I've been being positioned in this way through every step I've taken over all of these, you know, these decades that I've been here now. And now it all makes sense. And I had to go through the death initiation to be resurrected, reborn, and remembered in my own way from a soul perspective. And so now my service is pivoting greatly. And I've been on on point on purpose my whole adult life, but now it's fine-tuned in a way that is undeniable. And I'm, I'm grateful for it all. Absolutely. It sounds like an extraordinary and super tough journey you had to go through. And I, I love the way you said you're, you're grateful for it because it reminds me of my time last year. And in retrospect, it looks, I'm very grateful and it looks like it was important. But while we're in the moment, I can only imagine how tough it was. When you, you said death knocked on your door, you died a thousand times to be reborn, finally there. Did you ever feel like giving up? Or did you ever feel like, why is this happening? Like, I've done all this work all my life, and now it's happening this way? Like, did you question it? Yeah. It's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Because it is the shadows and where a lot of people feel alone, especially when they're going through the deconstruction phase. Yeah. You know, a year, when I when I got out of the house, after coming back, I had put all my stuff in my cat in the little guest house across the street. I came back from Hawaii and I was only supposed to be there temporarily, but I got paralyzed there after Tim's death. And so I literally watched my old life deconstruct over and over. I watched the garden go and I, I just kept watching things. And then a year to the date, I had to move again. The next house sold. I had to move again. Just such a parallel of the experience 10 days before I still didn't know where I was going. And, and I had the imprint of grief on top of me. So literally I was squeezed raw and I had many on my knees moments, like what I call like the come to Jesus moments where I was like, I literally can't take anymore. Like, and there was many moments where I, my cry to God or the universe was, if you need to take everything from me, 
I mean, the cat died that I like, you know, if the details are like, if you need to take everything from me, then take me. That was my prayer take me. And I was never suicidal. I, I, I don't run depression as part of my frequency. I have a lot of empathy for those who do because I've touched it. I understand, I, I've experienced it, but I've been able to always keep the light above it a little bit. And I know that I'm blessed in that because many can't. I never wanted to take my life or anything like that. I just wanted the eject button. Like, just, can you just beam me up, Scotty? Like, if you're going to take everything, like, I don't want to be here anymore. I remember saying, like, this is just stupid. Like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm done. Like, I have graduated. I have given over everything. I have been in service for three quarters of my life. I have done the deep work. I have, you know, offered humanity everything that I have. Like, peace out. I'm done. Get me out of here. And then spirit would laugh. <laughs> and then and now, now you're grateful about the experience. <laughs> well, and in those moments, those breaking point moments, and I think this is what's most significant for the listeners here. It's in those breakdown, breakthrough moments that providence does prevail because like in the next moment, the next step came, you know, in the next moment I was guided where I needed to be. And, and, and sometimes we have to kind of surrender it all over at that's been the lesson of the dark night soul journey for me was like, I had to get to, you know, they say no, no mud, no Lotus. Right. I had to get through the, the depths of the mud um, I describe it as like sometimes you got to sink all the way to the bottom of the pool to have something push off to get back up to the surface. You got to hit that bottom sometimes because it gives you momentum for coming back up. So no matter what your dark night of the soul, no matter how down it feels, no matter how much you want out, that is the moment, even if you have to hold your breath, that is the moment where providence is coming in to give you the kickoff back up and the journey back up, the journey back to the light through the depths of the mud. That is the magic. That is the miraculous experience. That is where the light comes in. You got to trust that and you need good people around you to remind you when you forget. Well, those are some powerful lessons, right? The biggest, and may they serve others, right? Like I didn't go through all that just from my own experience, although I know it was part of my soul's agreement. But if if it can serve another, then may it be so, you know. Because I imagine with the people you've worked with over these decades, some don't have as dark of a dark night of the soul, right? And others may have it even more so. And it's like you said, it's part of the contracts and part of what we choose when we come into this life. And then, of course, promptly forget because we have to relearn on other things and open up. But I, I love the messages in there. So there was quite a few lessons. And, of course, I like how you ended with the idea that, again, you're not alone. And in those dark times, at least looking back at mine, I felt alone because I chose to be alone. I chose not to reach out. I chose to ignore people that were reaching out i chose to sit in my own misery and dwell on it and and again i'm grateful for it because like in your case i've learned so much of that, that i know it was necessary but maybe i didn't need to be like that for as long as i was 
maybe if I had reached out, if I had chosen differently, it could have been sped up slightly and the lessons would have been as powerful or maybe even more so. So I think that's one of the messages I get from your story as well is that, yes, you've gone through that and people will go through their version of it. But if really remember they were not alone in those dark moments, they can save us a lot of heartache while still giving us those beautiful lessons. It is so true. And I think, feel that that's probably the most significant thing for any human to know right now that, you know, in a lot of ways, this is end times. Like we're going through an end time experience on, on planet earth. And it, it's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a phenomenally great thing. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's biblical in its own right, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's all destruction. It means it's rebirth, right? And every one of our souls said yes to being here right now. And from my guidance of who I work with is a galactic, I work with a galactic team of 13 called the Light Council. They also mirror the 13 divine mothers of the temples. They they tell me that, you know, only the supersonic souls are on planet earth right now. Like, there's a line of souls that want so badly to be on planet earth right now because of the phenomenal experience that's happening here. And so our souls said yes to coming here very specifically at this time to do one of the biggest things that's ever occurred on this planet, which is to birth this new earth. And when we experience that sensation of aloneness and separation, and and how it's becoming so amplified right now. Like, right, we're going through dark night soul stuff. And then we, we're going into this isolation and this great illusion of being alone. I mean, there's so many guides and angels and beings all around us all the time. Like, we never have a second alone. That is the great illusion. But because we're collapsing this density that is all about separation, everything that it holds is amplifying right now. So the feelings of scarcity, the feelings of separation, the feelings of aloneness are getting loud because it's, you know, it's, it's like it's going off the edge. And so every piece of it's expanding. So our opportunity and this, this, this tagline, if you will, has been coming through me for several years and now it makes sense. Attached to nothing, allow for everything. And so in that, you know, unattachment, detaching from this feeling of being alone is so much that we get to see this innate illusion of separation that humanity has been living in and for thousands of years. And now it's really loud. It's an illusion. Don't attach to it. We're connected to all things in all ways. Now, from a physical perspective, you can usually pick up a phone, you can pick up something. And for, I know there's people that really don't have people on speed dial, but there are so many resources. There's so much out there right now. There's so many groups to get into and they're like, no one needs to suffer alone. If you're suffering alone right now, it is, it is at your own hands. And if you can't find the people that have like mind and like soul, then your opportunity is to get your feet to the earth every single day, because that's how we balance our electromagnetic frequency and get your heart up to heaven every day and know that there is hundreds of beings of light that are around you wanting to reconnect you 
into the other humans who hold a frequency and a vibration that is of your, you know, that, that aligns with you or one that is, you know, shifted just above to, to help walk you home. So my book is called the palace of light and the tagline to it is finding our way home. And so all any of us are ever doing truly is walking each other home right now. And we don't do it alone. Exactly. That's uh, so powerful. And uh, you, you said something that earlier in that experience you just shared, then your view on it around the, the fact that, you know, the fact we're alone, the fact that we feel the scarcity around us, all those feelings, negative feelings that we're feeling right now, they're being expanded because of where vibrationally the planet is going, everything is changing. And I would also imagine that as we move towards light, as we move towards this change, things like any other change in our life, it doesn't want to let go, right? It's almost like you're killing or destroying an aspect that's set with you for so long. So it's fighting for its life in a way. So of course it's going to put up a fight. It's not going to be like, okay, yeah, you can, you can now do this other thing that's going to remove me from existence. That's how I see it as well nowadays. And you explain it so well, and I love the other analogies you've used. And yes, the idea of walking each other home. I'm on my journey. I'm going to have good and bad days. But if I share my journey with others and I reach out and give a helping hand, then we can walk each other home and then they can do the same for those around them. So that's such a beautiful message. I love it. Yeah. And I just want to kind of piggyback on something you just said as well in that it's like a part of us is dying and it's so true. And that ties into several different aspects as I see it. One is like, you know, we talk about the death of the ego, right? And I don't see it as much that the ego dies as the ego integrates the ego. Well, actually spirit is speaking it right now that the ego grows up. <laughs> it matures. Oh, I love that. I really like that. Reframe. That it doesn't, it's kind of like the, the wounded child that's like, I need it like this and I want it like this and I need it like that. And it's like, they're literally showing me right now, which I think is beautiful, that the ego itself actually matures and then finds its integration with the soul self because we don't really need to kill any parts of ourselves. We are, you know, these whole beings. We just need to raise them up and integrate them in a way that actually serves us in an expansion so the ego is an example of that feeling like parts of us are are dying, but we're growing up and integrating. There's also a piece that I like to speak to that talks about the pain body. And I know that Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body as well. How spirit has shown it to me is that, you know, the pain body are these programs and these experiences we've had. There's not a human on the planet that has not gone through their incredibly unfortunate and pain, often painful experiences. It's part of how the soul initiates their dimensional understanding and growth. And most of us chose very extreme experiences, usually in childhood, to get like the crash course <laughs> so we could rise above it and, and destroy that model of learning. I perceive pain body to be actually almost sometimes like entity attachments or energies that have lower vibration that attached through and, and feed upon our light and our emotional body. Spirit showed it to me kind of like I, I was, a, I worked as a colon hydrotherapy 
therapist and massage therapist for many years. So I was, my focus was very much on the physical body for a good 20 years, bringing in spirit to it. But in the gut, in the colon, we have this bacteria that's called candida. Most people have heard of it. It eats off of sugar and it grows and it, antibiotics can make it grow more. And, you know, it's a whole science about it. We have a little bit of the bacteria that lives within us. And if it gets, if there's an imbalance in the system, the bad bacteria grows and overtakes the good. And then you have all kinds of physical problems. I see the pain body being very similar almost like these entities that attach through our emotional wounds that feed on the pain of humanity sometimes, and also some that feed on the light and want, you know, the light to move back into the darkness. And so we have this like otherworldly experience happening and how I've seen it is that they, so when we go to kill candida, we'll use your word (laughs) in the gut, we starve it of its food source, which is sugar. So if you've ever gone through the cleanse, you spend three or four days in hell and the body's like, I want sugar. And what's doing that actually is the bacteria actually emits chemistry. They spit it out their mouth that goes up to your brain that says eat sugar because it's how it feeds itself because it is one of those brilliant cycles of life. From a bacterial perspective, I see these entities, these energies that feed upon negative emotion being the same. They drop these, you're not that. They don't think you're, oh, you should be ashamed of that. Oh, see, no one ever, all the stories, all the stories we drop in our own consciousness that keeps us separate and alone and riding these lower frequencies. I actually believe that those are kind of like, as we're coming more into the light, as we're raising our light body and consciousness, as we're believing and knowing the truth of who we are as soul level, as these sentient, amazing spiritual beings, these lower densities are like dropping the stuff into our consciousness to feed themselves. So so be really mindful to negate the illusions of lower storytelling. Thank you for that. It is not true. I will not receive that. The truth is I'm pure light. Everything's always working out for me. Only the good is coming for me. There are people around every corner who are here to support me. I don't have to do anything alone. Like whatever the affirmations are and affirmations don't work on them by themselves. We know this. It's the frequency and the energy that aligns to the story or to the words that will bring you to the promised land. So what are you feeding? Are you feeding the matrix of the mind of the illusions of scarcity, separation, pain, and lack of worth? Are you optimizing the truth that you are worthy because you exist? And if you need proof of it, it's because you're on planet earth right now, because only the supersonic souls are on this planet right now. You are worthy because you exist, because you came here as a light being to create an entire new, new experience for humanity. You are the supersonic of all supersonic souls. And if you need proof of it, it's because you're a human on the planet right now. That's kind of my mic drop moment. I don't know. <laughs> I was just saying. It like, was like, <laughs> and I, I mean, what the better, I mean, I can't imagine of a better example of free will because what you just said that it's like, you have a choice. You feed this side or you feed this side. Do you want to be happy or not? That's the choice. And I, I think that most people, and including myself, either haven't realized yet or realized just recently, the happiness, like everything else, is a choice. So if you choose to be happy, not externally, right? Not looking externally for them, but internally, 
then you can put things in motion. And what a beautiful way to describe all of it and re reinforce the idea that, yes, we do have free will. We came here for a purpose, but how we achieve the purpose, it's 100% in our hands. Yeah. And yes, it, and like, as I, you know, as I was just reading through the last of my book and setting it off to print, I was like pulling the themes out. And one of the biggest, the, the biggest themes is, I, I say it probably a hundred times in there is you choose like to all things you choose, like nothing is ever happening to us. We're the creator of it all. And I know that's really, really hard when you're dealing with some of the really hard things like death and like a lot of things that create huge gasms of pain within humanity. I do not want to dismiss that. I want to honor it. And I also want to say that our soul is choosing all of it, every single aspect of the experience we have. So we choose how we respond or how we react to everything. We choose, you know, you choose what you put in your body. You choose it all. And that's what you put in your mind and what you put in your soul, what your thoughts are, you know, the abracadabra you, as you, as you speak it, so it shall be your word is your wand. And as you think it, so it shall be as well. So I think when we really back the train up all the way to the station, the bottom line is you choose it all. And so in any moment you can pivot and you can choose differently. And if you cannot figure out how to get there on your own, then you reach out to someone who might just be a step ahead of you, who can walk you to the remembrance of that because none of us have to suffer through this alone anymore. That's amazingly well said. And I think back of well, a few years ago and I say, when I thought the choices were overrated in the sense that you don't have many choices in love. Sure, I can choose if I'm going to go with sushi tonight or I'm going to have, I don't know, let's say something homemade. That's a choice. But I didn't think that many of other things in life were a choice until I started to break them down and realize that, yes, everything was in my power. I just chose differently either because of conditioning or because of not wanting to experience pain in the short term. I will come back later, right? There's many reasons or excuses we tell ourselves to believe that we didn't have a choice. And I had some deep conversations with some friends and family recently around the idea of choice. And it doesn't surprise me that many people don't believe in the power of choice or that they have the power to choose, rather. By listening to conversations like this, and then all I would ask people, I'm curious to see what you would recommend, but what I would say is, Pick something that you think you don't have a choice over, break it down and see where does, how far back can you go and see if you actually had a choice or not. Because in my case, I've done this exercise with quite a few things and I'm always left, wow, yeah, I had a choice. And not only once, I had a choice along the way or I had choices along the way. Yeah, I think that's really like the kind of the inventory, right? Take the inventory and you might have to go back in the string of the inventory to get to like the original choice <laughs> where it was like, yeah, so it is definitely an opportunity. My sense also is the best place to begin to play with choice is really with your thoughts. To really, and again, it ties back to that first pillar principle of, of presence. 
So, I mean, they say, I don't even remember, don't quote me on the statistics, but it's something like 97,000 or thoughts a day, like it's some astronomical number of thoughts that we think most days, and I'd say a huge percentage of them are not in alignment with what it is that we want. It's a lot in alignment with the distortion and the distraction and and the suffering and the pain. So if you want to exercise your your choice and really become empowered in it, I say it's it's an inside game. You begin with your thoughts. And I, I often with my clients use like a bracelet trick. This is kind of a fun tool that every time, so, you know, they say you have to be willing to live every thought you have because it is the frequency of creation. So like, thought becomes matter. You know, this is Abraham Hicks, basic law of attraction. If you're going to think it, you're going to be the, usually the thoughts, if they're held longer than 30 or 40 seconds, become a vibration. You either feel good in the thought of it, or you feel contraction and angst in the thought of it. And when you're massaging and allowing, it becomes the expression. It becomes what you're vibrating out. I mean, everything on this planet is frequency. That again is science like 101, right? Not just quantum. It's kind of just science. And so if you begin to catch those negative thoughts and just to begin as the very gentle observer, like, oh, look at me, I am down the rabbit hole of this tragic thing that I have created that probably is never going to happen. But I'm so upset about it in my own head that I already have it happening and I'm already upset and my frequency is already a match to something that's probably never going to happen right? We go future projecting into anxiety, creating stories that we don't even want to live. Like, just stop it. Why do we do this? And so one of the tools is, first of all, just to be the observer. Pay attention to how many times, how many of your thoughts feel good and how many don't. Just from a very neutral observer space, you know, give yourself an hour where you're really present. And just watch what haunts and comes in and how you follow it and what you create. And it's like, and if you become so fiercely present to be able to catch your thoughts, then you can begin to make a conscious choice. Oh, I'm going to start changing that because I don't really like the program that I'm blasting on my own inner TV right now. Television, right? Tell your vision. Are you telling your vision something you want or not? And so, so often I'll have people put a bracelet on something stretchy. And, or, you know, for people that don't wear bracelets, they could put something in one pocket, move it to the other. So it becomes a somatic experience where you're like, okay, I just thought that I was going to lose the deal and there wasn't going to be enough money, whatever. We'll just use that as an example. I don't actually want to live that. I'm going to take that bracelet off. I'm going to put it on the other hand and I'm going to correct the statement. That deal, if it's for me, is going to be perfect. And however it unfolds is going to open up whatever doors of potential potentiality that I need. And you sit in that and you feel how that feels. And then the next thought comes. And if you don't like it, you take the bracelet off, you adjust the thought and you put it, you're going to change that bracelet like a hundred times in the first day. But the second day, you're only going to change it 50. And the third day, you might only change it 20. And the fourth day, you might make it five hours and not change it once. Because when you put something into a somatic response, it becomes an embodied experience. You're reprogramming your thought process. 
So we want to all look at outside and make these big, grandiose changes. And yes, we choose, and I'm going to choose my path, and I'm going to choose this. But it all starts in the subtleties of what are you vibrating? How are you spending your energy? It Be the observer and begin to change the mechanism of the dial of your inner plane. And then the outer plane always responds as if by magic. <laughs> so 10 minutes ago, you said that was your mic drop moment. Yet another one right now. What a beautiful message. The, oh, the bracelet idea, that's brilliant. Isn't that cool? Because it does make you stop, right? It does make you stop and think. And then you have a choice in the moment. Yeah, and you put an action to it, and then it helps reprogram. Yeah. Yes. Love that. And I will try myself. I can tell you that much. I will try myself. So thank you for that. I wanted to, I mean, there's so much to unpack there, right? Like I could have so many follow-up questions, but I know we wanted to touch a bit more on the feminine and masculine energies. And it's something that I've come to learn more about in the last little while. But I know a lot of people that I speak with and in the audience may not necessarily know as much about the feminine energies and the masculine energies. And like you said, each of us have them. It doesn't matter if we're male, female, or we see ourselves in something else. We all have these energies. Can you tell us a bit more about that and your take on it and why it's important for us to be aware of that and embrace both sides of the coin? Yes. And I'm going to start by saying that I could talk about this for another hour or two. It's a really big big, big topic. However, just like we're talking about dimensions, shifting as being frequencies, right? A a density shift. I see that the feminine and the masculine is also a frequency. It's an experience. You can think of it as the feminine is, if you look at like a polarity, right? The feminine is the magnet. It attracts, it pulls forth. And the masculine is like the electric it prods and it moves towards. And so when the circuitry of that comes into sync, I mean, a lot of this can go into like some sacred temple arts practices, tantric practices, even where you have the masculine and the feminine coming into union, it actually completes the circuit. So the feminine is the magnet that receives and the masculine moves up to the heart into the heart of the feminine, the feminine comes down, moves out through the womb space. And so it creates the circuit, a complete circuit. Now, if we look at that within our own bodies, within our own physicality or energetic bodies in Chinese medicine, they divide the the body from the left to the right is the yin and the yang. The yin is the feminine. It's the moon. It's the left is the receiving energy of the body. It optimizes, you know, as a healer, it, it, it informs a lot of how I intuitively help people to heal. It's like if they have a lot of trauma in their left shoulder, I know that they're holding the feminine burden of the past. You know, that image is like holding the arm back. If what, what are you carrying back there? If there's a lot of trauma in the right side, it's holding them back from forward movement. The right side is the masculine. It's the young side. It's the sun. It's the going after. And so, so these, these principles live within the body. I see them, you know, through the midline. I also divide like across the heart and that the lower frequency of the body is more of the feminine. So the feminine connects into the earth. The feminine principles are 
more of the earth energy. It's more of the intuitive. It's the subtler. It's the quiet. It's the natural magnetization. It's intuition. It's knowing. It's sensual. It's subtle. And it can be fierce. Do not, <laughs> do not think that it's all just weak and gooey. I mean, there's, you know, I, I think of Kalima and Pele and like <sighs> fierce feminine. But then the masculine also is from like the heart up. It's the head. It moves, it aligns with the sun. So it's, it's really how I've been shown this in this last year is that when the feminine frequency is very alive and the womb of the women are connected into the womb of Gaia, she's literally in meditation. Gaia being earth, Tara, literally has said to me, when the womb of the women connect with the womb of Mama Gaia and the great central sun, like the head, the higher consciousness is connects up with the, with the sun, right? That's the heaven to earth. We talk about the great awakening being heaven to earth. The principles of the divine masculine and feminine within and around us actually are the culmination of these two frequencies being in their exalted truth actually creates the expansion, the rise up. She says to me, Mama Guy says to me, when the wombs of the women connect and the, and, the, and the consciousness of the men connect into the sun, we will birth the new earth. We will raise the frequency up into the fifth or higher dimensionality. And so there are some interesting programs running on the planet right now that are keeping some of these frequencies a little, you know, wavering a little. There's a lot of, of curiosity around the feminine and the masculine right now, keeping it in kind of an unclaimed space. Isn't that interesting? How the, the energy of the earth needs to rise by the claiming of it. And again, it doesn't have to do with gender. It has to do with the frequency and being completely anchored in the truth of its expression. And so what I'm experiencing, what I know is I have generated from my masculine my entire life, meaning I have learned how to take care of myself, how to make money, how to take care of the house, the household, how to make the decisions, how to, I have run my energy as the masculine and all of the relationships that I have attracted and created, I ran the masculine energy and my partner ran more of the feminine energy. And to look at us, you would never know it. I mean, we, you know, I hold the feminine. It's not about how it looks. It's about how we operate. So I've always taken the responsibility. So they've shown me that it's like a dragon, that the head of the dragon is the masculine. The masculine needs to make decisions, go look, hunt, gather, see where the food is, see where the things are, the worry, the thought, the juju. But the feminine is the body. So she walks the head around close to the earth, like, oh, we're getting a little clo too close to that. We're going to back off here. We're going to sit here for a minute. We're just going to rest here for a minute. And the head's like, what, where are we going? We're just going to rest for a minute. So how I find the feminine, and this is an opportunity for all of us, is by, and one of my mentors brought this through the priestess work. It's like, you lean back. You let your physical body, like you can just do that right now. And it's, it's like if you're taking a glass and you're pivoting the water to the back, just lean back. And you begin to feel like the whole front body begins to open. It's receiving. The feminine frequency does not go after. It attracts. It's the magnet. Women are angry and they're tired and they're mad at the masculine right now. And part of what's happened as the programs have been run through the consciousness of humanity over hundreds of years 
not thousands, is that when the feminine decided to wake up and take her power back, she did it by embodying the masculine. We see it in business. The CEOs took on the masculine. I'm just going to get out of my way. I'll step over you to get up there. And great. So there's been success. But it's not a sustainable energy because they lost their feminine principles and they're tired and they're angry. And I see it in households. I see it in my clients all the time. They're like, I'm doing everything. I'm running the business. I'm taking care of the family. I'm cooking the food. I'm doing the thing. Why isn't he stepping up? And it's like, well, we took the power away from the masculine some time ago. And the masculine deciding, des desiring to serve the feminine, the masculine doesn't know how to serve us. Because we're like, don't open the doors and don't do anything and don't get in my way and don't do this. And they're like, okay. So they step back into complacency because the desire is to serve. But really, by innate frequency, the, the, fe the feminine needs to hold her fierce power of being intuitive and creating through her essence. While the man like takes the lead, takes control. And it's it's not saying to power over the feminine. It's saying so the feminine can relax into her greatest expression, which is being the sighted seer, knower, and creator as if by magic. Let them open the doors. Let them decide where, where you're going for dinner. Let them decide with an inquiry. I, I'd love to take you to dinner at the sushi place. Does that feel good to you? That feels great. Thank you. Great. I made the reservation. I'll pick you up at seven. Great. I don't have to figure it out. I'm so tired of making decisions and calling it success. So that's the turnover. Does that make sense? Oh my God. So beautifully explained. I mean, I've, I've never come to explain quite this way. I can do it that much. And it opened my mind even further. And of course, I have a million and a half questions, but I know, like you said, we could talk about this for days. Yeah. But no, that was, uh, well, yes. I, I, and I can, I can agree with it, even though I've never heard it explained this way, because it feels true in my heart. It feels true to my logical self as well. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for the listen. Yeah. And there's a lot of people speaking to it right now. And I, it's really, really important. And it's confusing because, it's confusing in some ways, yet there's a resonance in our heart. We, it's a remembrance. And it doesn't mean that anyone gives up their power. It means that they get to hold their power as authentic to their natural expression. So we don't have to be tired and angry and fighting each other and ourselves anymore. It's harmony. It's cohesion. It's co-creation. And it's how we birth a new earth. Love it. Love all of it. And honestly, I could talk to you for, for hours and days. So much to learn, so much wisdom there. Lisa, thank you so much. If I could pivot slightly, there are two questions I like to ask my guests towards the end. And they have to do with time travel. Now, in your case, I know you had a pivotal moment in life two years ago. So if you could go back in time right before those big, 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 tough days began, and you could give your younger self just a tiny piece of advice that could maybe help you through the process, what would it be? I would tell myself that I was safe and that all of this was happening for me, not to me, and to like really be brave in the adventures and to take the adventures. Like 
I held so much back out of fear, you know, and I would, I would really tell her to just go all in and be fearless and powerful that everything was going to work out. It always is going to work out. All the worrying was for nothing. It never got you anywhere. And that, you know, like I want to tell her, you know, you always know, you know, the times I overrode my intuition were the times that things didn't usually go so good. And so we always know, we know, we know everything inside of us. Trust the knowing, be fearless and just keep going. Okay. And I can imagine, I mean, that's, I can take, I can learn so much from that. I'll imagine anyone that's on this journey right now can learn so much from that advice and applying it to their own challenges and or dark night of the soul. So now if we were to shift and travel into the future, let's say 10 years from now, you see all the amazing, beautiful things you've created, how many people you've touched, the beautiful transformation of the planet, and you get to sit down with your older self. You can just have a good chat, but you could also bring something back to the present to help you on this path. Is there anything you would want to bring back? I'd want to bring back. It's, it's interesting because it's very much what I would tell my younger self that it's really beautiful that everything is lined up absolutely perfectly. And that just walk the the words that are coming through is just walk this the path step by step walk it confidently and walk it courageously and know that it's all absolutely perfect it's in perfect alignment it's in perfect order she's saying to me right now you won't be disappointed just walk bravely forth enjoy every moment and give gratitude for each step along the way. <laughs> okay, Lisa. Wow. Powerful. That's all I can say. And uh, so much wisdom in everything you just said for both of those questions and everything else we've talked about today. Before we look to wrap for this episode, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience that comes to you right now that maybe we haven't talked about yet? And I know there's so many more directions we can go in. But is there anything specific that may come to you that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think I would just like to end with just a reminder that, I mean, I, I think we touched on it a little bit, but, you know, in the nearly three decades that I've been working with people on various levels of healing and finding themselves, what comes to the core of it always, and I think this is the fundamental button we get to shift, <clears throat> is is the worth piece. It's like, and when we really shore up that you are worthy, that you are worthy because you exist and you don't have to prove for it. Like if we really embody that worth piece, which is the ultimate expression of love of self, everything else becomes possible. So whatever you get to do, whatever you choose to do to really build up that that truth, that remembrance, that power that you are worthy because you exist. You are here for a great purpose, and that purpose simply is to be in joy, pleasure, light, and ask how you can serve as a reflection of that. That's it. It's like really so simple, but we make it so complexicated because of the imprints and the overlays and 
all the things that we journey through, like really let it be simple, let it be profound and really anchor in your worth and your self-love so you can be in service at that high level. Yes, truly inspiring. Thank you, Lisa. So before I let you go, maybe you can talk to us a bit about the book you're releasing as well as what they can find you, maybe work with you, learn more about you. Yeah, I would love that. So my book is called The Palace of Light, Finding Your Way Home. It has been a labor of love and a walk in my own journey. So it is a book about ascension. It's the, the five pillars of ascension, becoming new humans, how we do it, why we do it, and support and tools along the way. But it is written in a memoir style of my own details of my own life's journey and deconstruction and stories of of experiences I've had along the way to help anchor it in. So go get that. It's on Amazon and I'm excited, so excited about that. My website is lisamcardle.com. I'm sure it'll be in the notes. There's links there for ways to work with me either one-on-one or in group. I do have a four-day retreat coming up here in Sedona in the fall for women. It's called She Rise and it is a four-day journey that walks us through death of the old, resurrection, remembrance, and rebirth. Really powerful. And this has been coming through me for the last two years as I've been walking the journey. And so now it's time to walk the women home with me to this higher consciousness. And then Instagram, Lisa McArdle underscore. Yeah, go connect with me. And I love, I love connecting. So on my website, there is a link there that brings us to a tea time. So I would be honored to just sit face-to-face on Zoom, 15, 20 minutes. I want to hear your story. I want to know who you are. And literally, we walk each other home. So I love to connect. It's my greatest, it's my greatest joy. So go find that and let's let's have tea time. <laughs> awesome, Lisa. Well, I cannot thank you enough. It's been a pleasure to learn, to see with you, right? To to hear about your journey and all the wisdom you have to share. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been my great pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today. To find out more amazing content and episodes, please visit UnleashThyself.com or you can find us on social media.